Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another edition of the Our Football Podcast, episode 76, I think. If I'm wrong, oh, I'll fix this later. Welcome back, everybody. So much Mexican soccer to, to talk about today. And of course, with me always is my counterpart, Adriana Terrazas. Adriana, how are you today? I'm great, Amy. Um, tons to talk about some movement, um, just like we like it, just tons of stuff make like happenings. I'm so happy. I mean, we've talked about how we wanted changes and things to happen and decisions to be made. And, and now I think we're finally getting um, just some light at the end of the tunnel. Not, not yet entirely, but it's getting there. Not yet entirely, but it's getting, that's a great way to put it. Um, also to not bury the lead, we have a fantastic interview with up and coming Mexican forward and Atlas just superstar Alison Gonzalez, which we're really excited to share with you. So yeah, definitely going to get into a uh, national team talk, um, some of the Liga Mex Femini talk, good and bad, because there's always something. And of course, we're going to let you guys listen to that interview as well. But Adriana, to kick things off, um, last time we got together was fun and out of the blue. We gave a bonus pod to everybody regarding uh, Christopher Coyer saying goodbye to his national team duties and kind of just talking about who we wanted to be there. We did have assumptions of who was going to likely be there, given that there was going to be a press conference the day after. Um, and sure enough, it happened. Monica Vergara is now the senior national team coach. Following behind her is Maribel Dominguez, who's going to be taking charge of the Sub-20s or the U-20s. And then right after her is uh, Ana Galindo, who's going to be taking over the U-17s. I mean, Adriana, we talked about it. We said we wouldn't mind it if there's anybody that's not the easiest to, to kind of discredit, but if there's anybody that seems to be the perfect person for the job, given the moment and everything that happened with the pandemic, it was Monica Vergara, but we did have our, our hesitance or, you know, we were kind of skeptical about it, but I kind of changed my mind after I heard the press conference. I mean, how did you feel um, when that announcement became official? I mean, I was psyched to be honest. I, I know that we were all, well, not all, I think you and I were, um, we were kind of nervous regarding how much pressure she suddenly got just thinking about how short her time with the U20 was and now jumping over to the senior team, um, which has tons of more pressure. I mean, not, not making it to the World Cup, not making it to the Olympics, um, now having to bring in really young players that were expecting to play the U20 World Cup. Now they're not going to get that. Now they have to start fighting for a position in the senior team. So I think, I mean, I think we were right in being worried because it is a really big challenge. Although, I mean, yeah, I think everyone's happy with the fact that it's going to be her. I think we're psyched that we have three women coaches for top three um, national teams, actually four um, with the U15. So I, I understand why we're worried. It's not that we're not anymore, but I think the fact that everyone seems to be really optimistic about how Monica can change everything that we're criticizing recently about the national team just makes us think maybe she can do this. I mean, we're really hoping that she can. And despite the fact that it's gonna, there are gonna be huge obstacles she has everything and everyone's support to get through it. So, yeah, I, I can't stop worrying after that. It's not that uh, what we were saying is not important anymore. I think it still is. But just the fact that you have so much support when you start off in, in such a position that has so much pressure, I think will just benefit her enormously, just knowing that she's getting support from the fans, from the federation, from the players, et cetera. Most definitely. I mean, it's not our first walk in the park you and I have sat through press conferences when it comes to new management whether it's a team you know whatever it is and it always feels like they're saying what they what they need to say they're saying what they have to say 
um, because of the situation. And I have to give credit to Gerardo Torado, and I'm forgetting the other guy's name. I always forget his name. Um, but I, I give them credit because while this is the expected move, like we're saying, they came at it in a really, really transparent. And yes, they had to they had to do that because I'm sure they're listening. I mean, they listen to our pod, right? So we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. But they, get, they went into it realizing we haven't done anything. We haven't, you know, it's a mess. They had to have recognized that, that this is a mess. They let go of Cuellar. And then the way they start the press conference, right? They're talking about, we need to understand that women's soccer is growing. And it almost seems like they were also acknowledging the fact that it's growing at a much faster rate than they anticipated. And they said, who better to work with this growth than the people that have already demonstrated and shown how committed they are and invested into this. Now, I know maybe not Christopher, because we all had our feelings about him, but you know, Lea Cuellar did do some really, really huge things for women's soccer. But you know, that's that was then and this is now. And when you see all the work that Monica Vergara has done, that Maribel Dominguez has done, Ana Galindo has done, and the way that they spoke at that press conference, like you're saying perfectly, it wasn't just that they were saying what they needed to say. It almost was like they were finally given that platform to say what they what they had to say, what they what they felt like they really needed to say. It was emotional in a sense. And I know it's I know there's a lot of conversations between, you know, objectivity and subjectivity when you're covering something. But that's what stuck with me the most. It was like you these are women that have been part of it, that have been in this for so long and that just wanted that chance. And and it 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 felt like they were excited, slightly scared, I'm sure, because of that pressure that we talked about the last time that we talked. But they had it felt like they were talking to me or they were talking to like every single like Mexican girl out there. And they're like, hey, we're here now and we're going to try our absolute best to try to get this to work. And I and I felt like that had such a lasting impact on me. I kind of sat with it after I because I actually watched that press conference live um, via Zoom, obviously. But it was it was so impactful and it just gets you excited for what's to come from them. Obviously, we'll talk about the hurdles that they're going to face. But for me, that was just so great i mean people keep quoting monica vergara you know talking about valiant women and strong women and it was it was a really cool moment to see um just to kind of talk about the press conference itself i know i, I love the fact that they're so different also i mean monica is really emotional and really inspiring maribel is just she, she's crazy sometimes the way I she can, answers, but I, I love her for that <laughs> i could literally listen to maribel dominguez talk about anything for like five yeah. hours I was I, I, I never I didn't get the because I never I mean I've seen her in like little videos here and there and stuff but I had never gotten to see her like in obviously right in this like stature but just like listening to her I was like oh my god I believe in myself so much <laughs> like tell me more I know I, I love the quote that when they asked her um do you know what uh, how did they ask they said something like do you understand the pressure of being national team coach or you oh, 20 national team coach because he was and she answered back like, "I've known this pressure ever since I want I wore that jersey on the pitch." And I was like, "Yeah, you go, Mariba, you tell them." <laughs> she's she's so direct. Um, I, I I love that because especially with with younger players, I think that's kind of the mentality you need um, when you whenever you have to face the U.S. in the Concacaf region, or you have like an international friendly stuff like that. I think they they need that kind of attitude. Just saying, yeah, we're awesome. We can do this. Um, I really don't care if you've done better than us in previous occasions. Um, yeah, I, I just love that from her. And, and I've seen some of her videos sometimes because Federation has posted up some of them. 
ever since she was with the with the U15 team. Um, she just grabs the ball and she actually like competes with the players, despite the fact that obviously, I mean, they're younger than her and everything, but she has all the experience in the world. So it's, it's tons of fun uh, when you see her just trying to compete with Silvana Flores or when she's trying to do a free kick and just show players like, like you know, like this is how you do it. This is how it has to be done. Okay, no excuses. This is what I want from you guys. So yeah, I just love that from her. And it's it's so different when you go to, to Ana Galindo. Um, uh, she came out of America, obviously, being assistant coach to Kuwait. Yeah, got with the U15 later and actually with the U17 team. Um, still, I mean, it will be interesting to see what she can bring in because she was used to having uh, America with senior players, U23 players, U20, and now she's with the U17s. So obviously the mentality is really different, but it'll be really interesting to see how she can bring in that club experience now with the, that national team. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and I know we, we kind of, we kind of started fangirling over Mandibel, but even Anna herself was like, you know, we're not just here because we're women. We're here because we've done our homework. We're, we studied, we know what we're trying to do. And I really liked, like you said, they were completely different. You know, each one, each one had their own personality when answering the questions, but it, it really gets you excited for women's soccer. And that's actually something that, you know, Alison alludes to during our interview with her later on. Um, but to kind of get into the focal points of Monica Vergara herself, you know, she's in charge of the national team. Now, a national team that unfortunately, for better or for worse, we've talked about is a huge mess. Um, but she said all the right things and knowingly said all the right things, right? She said the door is open to everybody. That's obviously a discussion regarding Sheridan Corral and her missing uh, for the last couple of convocatorias. Um, you know, she wants the team to be a top eight team. You know, she's, and that's huge. I mean, it's, it's hard to compete, like we've already said here in CONCACAF. Um, but it, the hurdles that are coming up next are what faces, because in theory, everything that we've just talked about, everything that they're hoping to accomplish and with their knowledge would be good. But now we face the hard part of the press conference, which was Gerardo Torado explaining basically that they don't know yet when the next match will be. I mean, they ha already had a camp, you know, by the time you're listening to this, they've already had a camp. They had a camp this past week. Um, she put them together. We'll get into it a little bit. But the fact that there's no games yet and we don't know when, I mean, he did, uh, he did allude to the fact that they want to be prepared for when those World Cup qualifiers come up. But that's where the theory and the actual execution starts to be problematic. And that's the part that worried me the most. Yeah, I mean, I think what, I mean, we, have, we only heard about from them from the press conference and obviously there's still tons of stuff we want a little bit more clarity on. I mean, uh, they, CONCACAF announced they won more than double the games that we had previously for the region. We have an end of the year tournament, no U20 World Cup, no U17 World Cup. Uh, but despite that, we're, we're expecting them somehow to, to get ready. This, I mean, I, I think it's even problematic because you can start training players now and you kind of have to think about who will actually meet the age requirements to be there for the World Cup next year. So yeah. kind of, we, we still need some clarity on what they're working on. I would expect them not to start working with players that they know won't make the age limit next year, but you still don't want to, you want to make sure you're not missing players or that some players just don't fall into that gap of, not being uh, available for the U20 World Cup or U17 World Cup, um, but also you, you can't expect them to be for, ready for the senior team just yet. Or uh, there's, a, there's a gap there somewhere um, that I think they just have to work on and make sure that they don't actually lose players because of this forced generational change in, in, in the national team system. So it's going to be really interesting. I mean, Monica hasn't, there's going to be another FIFA um, 
another FIFA friendly, not a FIFA friendly, just another FIFA um, um, small practice session. They call it like a micro cycle this, this year, this week, because they only practice from Sunday through Wednesday. Um, really, really short. I, I think actually it was Thursday. Um, but some of the players came in late because they still had to play their games with the clubs on Monday. So, I mean, three, four days just to practice, get to know each other. They're expecting to do that again, a uh, small camp in February, but they still don't have any any games re uh, ready for the rest of the year or for the semester. And I think that's where we're going to start to see if everything the Federation decided for these three coaches will actually be supported with some real results, like bringing in top level teams, if they're going to make them, if, if they're going to be available to make travel just somewhere. I mean, I know the pandemic is also going to complicate things a bit, but just see if there's any possibility of having them travel, face some rivals, get some, some activity going, because I mean, we talked about this, the national team's last competition was March of last year. And that was also the last time we had any senior team activity. U20 and U17 um, had a small camp, I think in October. But I think we're starting to worry that, yeah, you, you need those camps, you need those games, because you're going to start fighting for that World Cup uh, qualifier at the end of the year. So that's the part I think we still need a little bit more clarity on. We're still kind of like, uh, I, I trust you guys. You made the right decision with, with bringing in Monica and Maribel and Anna. But we still need something to back up those decisions. You just can't bring them and be like, oh, okay, let's see how that goes. I mean, we really are expecting a little bit more support with the games. And I think that that's a... That's a that's a huge factor in it because you like you're saying we can get all these players together and we can put them all together. Granted, uh, for those of you who don't know or haven't seen, um, I think Guillermo, who is the um, the leader of the marketing jersey, who essentially just has like every European Mexican women's player at this point, um, he was on a interview with Tom a few months ago where I know the pandemic is a huge factor in letting the Europeas travel because you know they just don't want to risk don't know if it's financial or it's just you know just traveling in general they don't want to risk them coming over here so i understand that but you still have like you're saying you still have to mix these players together you know especially because the u20s don't have any tournaments technically to move forward i mean we already saw allison we already saw nicole get called up to the senior side that's gonna that's gonna create some problems and if we're not playing games until the world cup qualifiers that's just going to be a mess now i understand i don't know how it works i understand that i'm i can admit my ignorance when it comes to that so it must be incredibly complicated complicated to put that all together but when you see like the u.s women's national team getting games together with colombia and now even though japan moved out of the she believes cup argentina stepped in you also have to wonder, are we even trying to get part of those things? And I think that's going to be another huge thing that people are going to be watching. We always say that, you know, now that you have a league, now that you're acting like you really want to invest in this, people are going to hold you up to a higher standard. Agreed. Um, I mean, I, I also worry specifically because of the U-20s and U-17s. I mean, I think they're the ones that were hurt the most with all the decisions that were made because of the pandemic. Um, pretty sure just mentally, I mean, you were preparing yourself to have that World Cup, the U-20s had the CONCACAF championship. Um, they were runners up against the U.S. U-17s uh, were all really excited because we were gonna have the CONCACAF tournament here in Mexico, um, in Toluca, where the Federation has its, its offices and some facilities. Uh, that didn't happen. So I think we're also still kind of expecting like some decision to be made regarding what's gonna happen with that specific tournament. Um, disregarding the fact that we know that the World Cups were pushed back and now that they're still gonna be in India um, and Costa Rica. 
Um, I'm not trying to remember if it's Costa Rica, Panama, or just Panama, or just Costa Rica. I'll give me a sec. But um, but yeah, I, I think those were the ones that we worry about the most again because some players could miss out on an opportunity just because they're they won't be available because of the age restrictions for those World Cups. So let's see how how that goes. I mean, um, they also sp spoke really um, not too much about Carla Maya, but she's taking over the U seven uh, the U fifteen team. Um, I think that's going to be really interesting if looking forward to second semester of the year because that's when supposedly we're going to have the youth tournament for the Liga MX Femenil. It was supposed to come out last last summer. It didn't because of the pandemic. So I'm expecting it to come out this um, after this summer um, and bring in all that opportunities again to all these younger players and make sure that there's this really big youth system supporting the league, um, especially because um, now the league that has opened up to more senior team players, uh, I mean, players over a certain age, uh, more Mexican-Americans, you just want to make sure that clubs don't forget the part about just uprooting players and bringing them into to the, to the league um, and bringing them, with, obviously, with, with a, a huge amount of competition already, despite the fact that they're, they're going to be really young. So let's see how that goes. Let's see if we if we listen a little bit, if we have a little bit more information regarding uh, specifically that U15 team. I think it will be interesting to see also if FIFA brings in, brings in other projects, I, I know, I remember um, a year ago, I think it was even a, a little bit before that, um, Jill Ellis was at the Federation's facilities where, where the teams practice in Centro del Torrendimiento, it's, it's south of Mexico City. Um, Jill Ellis came in, she was mentored to Monica Vergara, came in and saw a couple of practices. It will be amazing to see if FIFA is, is bringing up those kinds of projects also for this year and specifically see how those can benefit the CONCACAF region again, because it's not only Mexico, you want to make sure that the entire confederation, the entire region benefits from all these decisions of bringing in more games, having more tournaments. It's not just that we want them to play, we want them to play a lot better. Yeah, definitely. So keep, we're going to keep an eye on that. They have to be held accountable. Let's theoretically say that everything goes the way we want it to. Maybe not this FIFA window, but maybe in like February or March, we see something happen. I mean, I think Torado alluded to the fact that possibly nothing happens in March. But regardless, let's just say we're living in a, a, a good world where everything has already been happening accordingly. Let's look at the first call-ups, because for those of you who are listening right now, like I mentioned earlier this week, um, they had like a mini camp. For me, Adriana, the first thing that st st uh, sticks out, if we're going to just focus on positives, is look at what we've been able to do. Or not we, sorry, I don't want to say like we, but look at just like... Oh, no, no, yeah, we, we put some credit in there somewhere. <laughs> okay, we'll throw ourselves in. But look at yeah. what Mexican women's soccer has been able to do in three and a half years. I mean, honestly, looking at this made me feel like the way I felt, and it's not a hyperbole, I swear, this is how I felt. I compared it to like, like when Piojo took over the Mexico team and he just brought like America and some other Liga MX players to go do the play. <laughs> it was it was America with a green jersey. Yeah, <laughs> America with a green jersey. But it, that's how I felt. I was like, look at how much power. And and I'm not saying that these aren't the best because obviously we have the Europeos that need to be bunched into this. But look at what we've been able to do in three and a half years with all these players that we've grown to know that have, you know, strengthened their their skills. It was, I like felt so happy if we're just focusing on like the kind of honeymoon phase that we had after, for all this. It really, it really made me proud to look at so many players on this, know who they are and know what they're capable of. Yeah, agreed. I mean, I looked at, at I, I think we were all like really, really curious to see um, who was actually also called up, how many players were coming in from the league. If we were still gonna have all these players come in from abroad that we rarely get to see 
just because there's no way to actually see them play. Um, I, I was I was I was psyched to see like all the players called up. I mean, obviously we're still missing the Ginties, Chavlins, and everyone that, that's in Europe, and understandably so. Uh, it was going to be really difficult to bring in players. Yeah. From abroad, camp um, got tons of restrictions to travel, stuff like that. But I mean, when you look at all the players um, come in, and most of them from the league. It, it's really exciting because you really like, yeah, she, she has to be there. Oh, yeah, obviously, yeah. Okay, she's young, but I, I totally get why she's there. Oh, okay, this player has done amazingly so this semester. Great that she's getting an opportunity. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm really psyched to see um, what they can do if they keep on going forward, getting another camp, um, seeing them just with the league and understanding, again, how this mix of, I don't want to say really old players, but considerably older players are going to mix with considerably younger players players i mean allison who we'll just listen to in a minute she's turning 19 in a couple of days and she's sharing now her team with stephanie mayor for instance um so i i can only imagine how much experience but also how rejuvenated the team is going to feel with all these younger but still experienced players coming in so uh really 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 exciting to, to see that that mix come in yeah, I mean, you had for me. She was she took she kind of took over the 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 league at the beginning last season. You know, Lisa Cervantes being able to be in the national team is so cool. It was so cool for me. You had Juanito Toledo. Um, you know, you had some U.S. based players as well. Uh, and I think it's important to also mention this is just the first one. And for me, I know there was a lot. You know, it makes me happy, but it's also kind of annoying. But it mostly makes me happy. It's like ninety five five. You know, it makes me happy that people are so invested now in Mexican women's soccer that they're already complaining about the first list of call-ups. Um, but it was it was cool to see. As the first one, I was satisfied. I thought it was cool. I gave it, you know, if we're going to grade this, I would give it an A-. minus. I don't think. the only And the reason I gave it an A- minus is because Renee's not on there because she's part of the league. But I can also understand from Monica's standpoint, she probably already knows Renee's capabilities and she wanted to bring in some new ones. But I was really happy with this call up. I, I I just I just love it so much. It it also validates that Monica's been doing her homework. Clearly, she's been at the games. Um, but it's the first one too, so I think I can only imagine what the next one's gonna have as well. Yeah, and, and just quickly, just so people, um, in case you guys didn't see the, the call up, I'll just mention them quickly. Goalkeepers, we have Alejandra Godinez from Monterrey, Cel Gonzalez from Tijuana, Wendy Toledo from Santos, really great call-up as well. I was really happy for her. I think she's done an amazing job. And sometimes because of the team she's in, uh, no disrespect to Santos, but sometimes because of that, I think she gets overlooked. Uh, for defense, we have Monica Flores and Maria, uh, I'll say Andrea because I, <laughs> I understand it's going to be confusing. Andrea Sanchez coming in uh, from Monterrey, previously from Chivas. Bianca Sierra, Kimberly Rodriguez, Reina Reyes, uh, Miriam Garcia, Nicole Soto, and Valeria Miranda uh, for defense. Valeria Miranda, by the way, coming in from Querétaro, I think she's probably the only Querétaro player to be called up recently in really a really long time. So really interesting, um, as you mentioned, because it means that Monica has been doing her homework, just watching every single team, not only the Monterrey, the Tigres, and at Americas and such. Um, midfield players, we've got Rebecca Bernal, Diana Evangelista, Joana Robles, Maria Sanchez, now with Tigres, previously with Chivas, Carla Nieto, Mali Carmen Reyes from UCLA, Nicole Perez, Alexia Delgado, coming back uh, in from Arizona State University, also with some experience in the MX Femenil. I think she was probably the first player to actually leave the league to go to the U.S. Um, and Carolina Jaramillo. And forwards, 
We've got Alicia Cervantes, Katy Killer Martinez, Stephanie Mayor, uh, Daniel Espinosa, eh, Monse Hernandez, and Alison Gonzalez. So, I mean, really, really exciting players just all over. I mean, there's not one of them that I could actually just complain and be like, oh, man, I, I really think that she shouldn't have been on the squad or maybe she's not doing as well as I think she would. I think they're all really interesting. I really love the combination of experienced and young players coming about, coming in. Yeah, so I get out with the least amount of players. I think with one. Well, no, I think I think I think Wendy Toledo is the only one from Santos. But Rayadas yeah. had the mo- Rayadas had the most call ups for this one. Yeah, um, which left some Tigres fans feeling not so great. But again, it's the first call up. Like it's the first one. I, I'm sure we'll we'll see plenty. What would you? I gave it an A minus, Adriana. What would you have given this call up list? Um, I mean, the thing is, again, I can't speak for the players coming in from the States because there's no way we can actually see them play, which is really yeah. frustrating. So I'm not, and I mean, we know them just because of exactly how they've done with, with the, uh, the, the national team. But yeah, I'm not entirely sure how Kimberly is doing, how Reina is doing, um, how Nicole is doing. I mean, I, I know them again because of how they've done with the national team and they've done really well. But let's see them, first of all, it, with, with the national team, senior squad also coming in, getting tons more um, competition. Because, again, you, you have some of these players that already know Monica, and she knows them uh, from the national team with the U20 or with the U17s. But now you're combining them with Stephanie Mayor, for instance, who is 10 years older than Alison Gonzalez and has tons of experience. So, again, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see um, how you get that combination how these players also take on a role of leadership on the field and off the field and bring in these new players. I mean, um, you'll hear it in a second with, with Alison Gonzalez. Um, we asked her and she was like, it, it's like the first day of school, right? You're coming back from school, you know, but you've got tons of new classmates because I think only Nicole and her were the only ones that came in from the last U20 um, call-up. Yeah. So she knows that she knows some of these players again, because I mean, she, she, she's, um, she plays with John Robles in Atlas. But you don't really get to share national team experience um, with with some other players, right? So it's going to be really, really interesting. But again, I'm I'm really excited. I love the combination, and I guess it'll just be a, a matter of following them on the league, making sure that they're healthy, making sure that they keep away from COVID, um, and making sure that yeah, they they really kick up a notch the competition in the national team because that's what it's all about. Yeah. And now here, I, this wasn't planned. I just thought of it right now. You don't have to say who, but in the spirit of transition, are there former players not not key, but because there was there was so little options, and that's and, and that's a hard thing to say because we didn't have the league, right? So you only knew the players based off of the national team experience, and then you would know their clubs. Now it's starting to feel like the other way around. But given this kind of era of transition are there some key past players that you would no longer bring because of this new era um i'm yeah yeah there there is okay i'm i think the goalkeeping position is really competitive at this point um i i i do see we could have some transition um regarding the goalkeeping position for instance that's a good one i I was on the other end of the field. I said there's so many now goal scoring options that yeah. I could I could see I could see some transition where where the competition is the competition's heavily favored in those new ones, I think. Yeah, agreed. I, yeah, the striker position is going to be really really tough. I guess it also 
I, this is this is going to be really this is one of those things that I think Monica is not going to struggle with. I hope she doesn't, but I think she really has to pay attention to is the fact that if you start playing against someone like the U.S. or Canada, someone that you know is going to really really um, be really tough competition. Do you want to bring in those younger players because of that like fresh blood that they can bring in all that energy on the field? Or do you want to go for the more experienced players and make sure that the younger players take it step by step? I think that's where we're going to have to see um, Monica make really tough calls because from on one end, I can totally see like, oh, no, we're going to totally have like Stephanie Mayor just take on that striker position. Why wouldn't we? And on the other hand, I'm like, yeah, but Dani Spinoza is doing amazingly well with America. She's grown so much, but she's younger. Okay, so that's yeah. where I think. I don't think we might miss some of the other players. And I guess that's I guess that's the question that I was trying to ask. Yeah, because I, yeah. I, I but I also agree. I think that's a really great point that you brought up. I think the pressure point is is so crucial because while they only were known for their national team appearances, at least they knew what it was like to play for the senior national team. You know, this is a new era, but it is scary. Imagine being that. I mean, I don't think, I do not think Allison is scared by any means. I mean, you'll listen to her. She has a fantastic story about how she convinced her parents to play soccer, but there is that, oh, we're going to face the Netherlands. We're going to face France's women's team, you know, just hypotheticals. But when you look at it from that level, it's like, yeah, who do you want to bring those players that maybe have never played there before but are ready or the players that are experienced and will ha- kind of know how to handle that moment but it's a yeah I've, I'm glad we're not the coach <laughs> <laughs> but Adriana, yeah, it's, I mean, be, it's it'll be really interesting and I think that's also what we needed um, for us and for the fans like everything that surrounds the national team we needed that we needed these conversations we had to stop being like why are the same players being called up? Why aren't we seeing more Liga MX feminine players being like yeah. at least seen, right? I, why aren't we seeing the senior team coach attend games at all? Um, so I'm glad now the conversation is is like a happy problem. It's like we, we now have enough players to actually have to decide on who is the top, top, top best for this particular circumstance. Um, and not regard, not criticizing, like, why isn't she called up? Okay, why are we still not seeing this? Why are we still not seeing that? So I'm glad the conversation is also switching in an entirely different direction. Yeah, most definitely. And I think that that about concludes our national team talk. I know we're kind of late to the party. I, I'm not going to lie. Adriana tried to schedule a bunch of pods with me last week, but I was like, <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't. I can't. And then I would see, like, all these lives and all these shows about the call-ups. And I was like, I'm so sorry, Adriana. I want to do this. Um, but I'm glad we were still able to talk about it. So, of course, let us know. Adriana, I, I know we're going to segue into Liga Max Femenil really quickly, but did you see that we have five stars from like two people on on iTunes? By the way, I'm we're so on, happy. By the way, we're on <laughs> iTunes, everybody. I, I didn't know this until about three weeks ago. I'm terrible. Well, thank you for t- to those two people that actually graded us because that's how we found out that we're on iTunes. <laughs> but thank you so much, whoever you are, because you only put ratings, you didn't put reviews. But thank you for giving us five star ratings. So if you're listening to this and you're on Spotify or whatever else, and you're not on iTunes, if you can head over to iTunes. And give us a five-star rating, but also give us a review. If you say Amy talks too much, give Adriana more time. It's okay. I don't care. I just want to kind of read something about us because <laughs> now I'm excited. <laughs> now that we've gotten it, I want more. So if you can, I would really appreciate it. It's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Adriana, moving on to Liga Mexican. Let's start with the bad, and then we'll go with the good. So for those of you who don't know, 
um, this isn't the first time this has happened, first of all, but it, it got more attention this time around for whatever reason. Um, Hannah Gutierrez, who is an America feminine player, I don't know. It was I don't know if it was only on Instagram or if it was also on Twitter, but started getting some really weird threats on her account. Um, and I think Selena Valera also got some too, right? Is that what I've seen? As yeah, well? she. Yeah, we we learned about Valera yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, and then Selena Valera, her America Feminine teammate, also got some, and it's been a mess. There's a lot of weird rumors circulating about it. This isn't the first time that it's happened, though. Greta Espinosa from Tigres also got some a few months back. Um, but it's just, we talk a lot about, you know, the good, and we also talk about things that need to change. And, you know, violence against women is not something new. This isn't something that is a surprise or anything. But it, it, it was particularly daunting to see it on, on a player that isn't necessarily, you know, I mean, it doesn't, it shouldn't go to anybody, first of all, right? But it's, it's like, this, these, are, these are young players, players in an up-and-coming league, um, and sure, and you know, it's wrong. That's just hit point blank. It's wrong. She's had, they've had a lot of uh, community support. I know that even some of the men's players, Charlie Rodriguez, Diego Reyes, have all said, you know, we have to stop doing this. This is not right. We can't keep threatening women, you know, violence against women, especially in Mexico. I know that there's huge protests that happen over there. Um, and it's an issue here in the US too. I mean, we also see it from American sports and the way that some players get treated after they do something, you know, have domestic violence issues. But it was it was one of those things that just makes you wildly uncomfortable and it, you just don't understand why it keeps happening, Adriana, for me. It was weird. Yeah, I, I just, I mean, I'm really happy that so many players came out and supported um, Hannah first and then Selene. Um, the club came out, the league president also tweeted some stuff. It just seems as though, I don't want to say it's not enough, but it, maybe it's, we're, we're, there's still tons of stuff we could be doing to educate people, players, fans, and make sure that this isn't an isolated event and we just disregard anything else that could happen. And like, oh, they're kidding. Or this is like, oh, the Mexican machismo at its best. And this is how people are. I, I do think um, this has to be a constant campaign to make sure that all the respect is given to these players, to women in general, because it is something as a society that I think we're still kind of facing. It's still something that we struggle with. So I just hope that it's the beginning of something that will keep on going until it's totally, totally eradicated and not just something that comes up whenever we have to just support a player or, or just any women in, for that matter. So I'm, I'm happy with the way um, people came out and supported these players. I just hope we still see tons more of that and won't allow a single bit of indifference or disrespect um, just because we think it's funny, just because we think it's allowed, just because we think it's not that bad. So hopefully it's it's the beginning of, of an ongoing conversation to make sure that we end this as quickly as possible. Yeah, and I mean, just speaking about the league in general, because obviously the Liga Max men's side and the feminine are part of this giant um, conglomerate, you know, it's like we we see it on the men's side. There's a Renato Ibarra, for what I know, is still playing, and you know, this it's, it's just one of those things, like you're saying. Hopefully, it becomes more than just a situational circumstance where we're giving our solidarity or showing or showing support, um, but really educating and continuing to move forward. Um, that's that's it's all we can do, and it's yeah. I I just got mad right now thinking about Renato Ibarra, but anyway, the point is it's not okay. Please just. Don't do it. It, it. I don't. I don't mean to say it's a ripple effect, but it just goes back into that idea of like 
of, of lesser than, like you said, it's, it's like, oh, you're just kidding. It's just machismo. Like, no, there's something very much ingrained in society and, and not just in Mexico. You know, like I just said, there's things that happen in American sports, too, and it just has to stop. So just wanted to bring light to that. Um, it has it ha and it's also something that's kind of been making the rounds from a Spanish language side. So we just want to bring like to it in the English language side because I know sometimes that people that listen to us are maybe not able to keep up with all the content and that's why we're here to share the good and the yeah, bad. Yep. But Adriana, moving on to the Liga Max Femenil, I know we had a little bit of a break, but Pumas is in first place. I mean, we had that person that asked us, you know, is Pumas, the, you know, should we change managers? What is happening now? But I have to say, I feel like that person should be happy right now. Pumas is in the first place. They're currently, as we're recording, they're currently facing off against Nakaksa. Who is winning 1-0? Oh, my God. I, I hadn't even checked the score. So, I mean, we'll see. What, <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens there. But disregarding that 1-0 uh, loss right now, or losing right now, and saying it's, it's a pretty good season for them. I'm, again, this just it comes again to the conversation about the league actually growing, building up on these players. I think we were all kind of, um, I don't want to say pessimistic, but I think we were all really doubting if it was time for change in Pumas uh, because of the fact that Iliana Davia has been there all the way from the start. I think only Leonardo Puella and her have been uh, there. I'm trying to count like coaches really quickly, but yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm, I'm right. Uh, the only coaches to still be with their teams ever since the league started. But we were kind of thinking, is it time for change? It has, like, it, it, does Pumas need uh, a new coach? So just looking at the, um, the way they've started, because it's not only that they're in place to place. I mean, they've gotten three victories out of three games. They haven't been scored against, which is amazing. I, I was also remembering how strong Pumas was the first couple of seasons of the MX Feminine, particularly in defense. They were one of the toughest, if not the toughest team to score against. And it looks as though we're finally seeing that energy on the field again. Um, they brought in new players. They're still not in the starting lineup. So we're still seeing new players with possibility of, of making this team even stronger. So I'm, I'm, I'm really excited for them. I mean, I think it's something we needed. It's, Despite the fact that we know that that the women's clubs, the women's teams are are building a history of their own, you can't deny the fact that they inherit inherit certain pressure just because of the club that they belong to. So you are expecting Pusasul to do well, which they have, and you are expecting Pumas to do well, which they're trying to. I mean, they're making it to Liguilla now; they actually have to start winning Liguilla. Um, but you you can't expect those teams to do a little bit better just because of the history that they're bringing in with their clubs despite the fact that, ironically so, we're trying to make them have their own history within, within the league, right? So I'm really excited to see, um, to see what Pumas can do. Um, obviously, we were really shocked, shocked, surprised. Um, um, I, I, I don't know, when, when they beat Rayadas 3-0, I mean, we've seen Rayadas struggle last season against Cruz Azul and get a last-minute victory. But um, again, it was a last minute victory, um, but not a 3-0 like Pumas did in this occasion. So yeah, let's see what goes on with Pumas. Hopefully again, we'll, we'll see teams not be affected by injuries, COVID. Um, well, we won't see those stories where we're writing about players having to travel at 2 a.m. just because the club won't, won't pay for a hotel or anything like that. So hopefully they'll keep it up. Yeah, for me, that 3-0 victory against Rayadas wasn't only impressive, and surprising but it was the way that they did it. I mean Rayados was a mess 
I know they had to travel away and there's that issue, but it was a really solid, confident victory. Like you said, some of their, some of their, their scores aren't even starters yet. And they come in and are impactful as subs. Um, but I really enjoyed it. Marlene Campa, who came in from America, got her first goal of the season, got the third one, the final nail in the coffin. So I, I really liked it. I really enjoy it. I, no disrespect to my Regias because they always give us some fantastic matchups together. But I am enjoying the fact that they're both currently sitting in sixth and seventh place. I think it's refreshing. I think it's, I think it's cool three weeks in. Yeah, agreed. Um, yeah, it, it's just really. Um... I don't know. It tries to, it, we, we try to be not overly optimistic, but it is, really, it is really great to see some clubs that we know will probably struggle a bit more towards the mid of the, like halfway through the season, but just getting off on a really good start uh, might be enough for you to actually just try to keep it up for the rest of the season and make sure that you're in those final eight positions and make it to the Liga and, and yeah, and start breaking that, that, um, that constant um, result that we're seeing of Monterrey and Tigres making it to the final and probably facing America and Pachuca in the semifinals. So as long as we're starting to break all those, um, yeah, like those repetitive results that we've seen, I'm happy with it. Whatever team it is, I'm just happy to see growth in the league. Yeah, and speaking of breaking assumptions or even just expectations, Chivas, I said it, I, we said it for like oh, quite a few minutes a couple episodes ago. It was a complete dumpster fire that happened to them in the preseason. It felt like you just didn't know what was going to happen and sure enough they feel they they're not quite there but they're three they're nine points undefeated so far they seem to have found something and i don't know if it's maybe you know not to say that the people that left were were toxic by any means i don't think so it just feels like i said it after the first game it felt like chore was like you know what that's in the past i'm gonna work with the players i have now you know, even if Licha is not exactly the star player right now, it feels like collectively the team has found something to really unite themselves uh, towards. And it's really cool to see, given how, you know, how the preseason was. Yeah, I mean, as a Chivas fan, I'm, I'm psyched that they're actually letting us know that it's, despite the fact that they lost so many players in practically every position except the goalkeeping one, um, that they're still a strong team. So... We're, I'm, I'm still worried, to be honest. I mean, you faced Juarez, you faced Mazatlan, you faced Santos. These are not the teams that are probably going to be most complicated during the season. But they do face Pachuca on Monday. So that's, I guess, when we'll start to see a little bit more um, of a struggle for Chivas or just a little bit of a higher competition, see how they do. They face Querétaro next, which I also think will be a great way to see how well Chivas is doing. Um, so yeah, let, let's, I'll, I'll be just slightly optimistic just because I really thought this start of the season was going to be way more complicated and it hasn't been. So let's just see how they do against these rivals that we know are going to be a little bit more competitive for Chivas. I mean, for what it's worth, Pachuca is also, hasn't been struggling. They're struggling. They're struggling. Yeah. Tony Ace is pissed. That lady's going to be so mad. <laughs> I, but I'm so happy that she's pissed because I, I do, I, we need that. We yeah. need coaches that are a lot like more vocal about the fact that they're angry and that they don't like what, what their players are doing and won't hide behind like no bad referee whatever something like that. So I'm I'm kind of happy that she's expecting those that from the, her players because I do think she has a team that was built for at least making it to Liguilla. So yeah, I mean they still haven't won with Doña Is. Uh, they lost against Tigres. I mean it's not that we didn't expect them to lose against Tigres with no respect to Pachuca, but we know what Tigres is. is capable of and it was a home game for Tigres as well 
but then they lost to Santos, which was pretty surprising, and they got a draw against Juarez. So definitely, I think you were expecting to have at least a couple of victories by this part of the season. So um, let's see how Pachuca does against Chivas. I do expect to see a lot more improvement, and I'm sure the people in Pachuca as well. Uh, but then you also face Atlas, which will be a really competitive game. I mean, Atlas is, I'm, I, yeah, I guess we have to say Atlas is more experienced than Pachuca at this point. They've done a lot better. So again, it's going to be, they're going to have two tough rivals, like one next to, to the other. So let's see how Pachuca does if, if they start to wake up a little bit more. Yeah. And I, like you said, at least Donia East is acknowledging the fact that they're a mess. You know who's not acknowledging the fact that everything's a mess? Lea Cuera, with America. <laughs> I will say, I will say. I honestly, in my opinion, it would it would be better, not better, but it would make it would it would be more impactful if they hadn't won any of their games, because they've been they've been yeah. very fortunate to have gotten a win and a draw where they don't deserve it. In my opinion, it just it's it's really a mess right now. They're currently sitting in ninth. They're at a position, although Mazatlan is in eighth. So technically, if we stopped right now, they would be in the Gia. And I want nothing more in life than for Mazatlan to be in the Gia. <laughs> But I mean, it's just, there's, we're talking about changes and we're talking about things moving on from the past. It does feel like the reign of Lea Cuer needs to come to an end. Probably not this season, but after this season, it'd yeah, be foolish it, for America not to. Yeah, yeah, I guess it's going to depend a lot on how they actually do the season. Like we've seen America have so many changes through like, like every single year, I think, ever since the MX started. Um, I'm, it would we would have to actually look into every single season to know if every single change was something that benefited the club. But yeah, just the fact that America is sitting in ninth position three weeks in from this tournament is I, I'm pretty sure something that's really worrying the club at this point. Because yeah, you lost against Atlas, but again, I mean, we're starting to see an Atlas that is is fighting just uh, is up to par with what you would expect from a team that's made it to the Liga as Alison Gonzalez, who was almost like just minutes away from being the top goal scorer last season. Um, I, I mean, obviously you, you do have to look into the fact that they've lost so many players due to injuries, COVID, but yeah, I, I guess looking into the end of the season, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't win the championship because America is built for nothing less than that. If they don't, we, yeah, I think that conversation will be on the table and it will just be a matter of knowing if there's someone that's up to the job to take on a club like America. Piojo comes and coaches the women's side. I'm <laughs> just kidding. No. No. <laughs> I, no, I don't even want that. That's a joke. Nobody take me seriously. I don't, I don't want that to happen at all. <sighs> Let's see what else. Anything key? I mean, Nekaxa and Cholos are once again at the bottom. It's frustrating. Nekaxa is what it is. We spoke about their coach leaving. Uh, last week I mean it's it's hard to it's hard to watch those at the bottom stay at the bottom especially when you get I mean we talked about it last week you know with Nakaksa it's about lack of investment and then with Sholos there was investment there and then there's not and it's just it's just hard it's hard to constantly see that um, when everybody else for what it's worth in some capacity whether it's digital whether it's you know with the players with the coach whatever it seems like they're trying to take some semblance of seriousness with it and I don't feel that happening with Nekaxa or Cholos. Yeah, um, that, that that's when I get really angry. I mean, sometimes I look at some of the clubs and they're doing such an amazing job on social media, getting in really great players, um, making sure that they're getting all the support they need just to be safe, COVID, all these things. And then you look over 
um, at Cholos, which is it's particularly sad because of the way they started out with, with the women's soccer program, even before we had a league. Um, and now it's just, I don't want to say it went to waste, but it's definitely not even close to what it was looking for. I mean, you, you look at Cholos and it was a team that was supposed to be competing every single year since the league started. Um, and Necaxa hasn't stopped being last, I think, ever since we started. I have to look in like to every single season, but they've never been, I think, out of like the top like 16 out of 18 teams. So um, I, there's like some flexibility when you look at Atletico San Luis, it's a newer team, less time, et cetera, et cetera. But they look over at Mazatlan and they're eighth and they're, they're, <laughs> they're even the newer team. So um, yeah, it's, it's really sad when you look over at Necaxa, Fabiola Ibarra, by the way, left the team um, last week. So I'm, I'm hoping that the fact that she left, because I really do think that they never gave her an, an honest chance of having a, of like, taking the team to better results because they never had, uh, they never supported the, her with a really strong, solid squad. Yeah. But hopefully um, if there's any like light at the end of the tunnel with this case, it's because now they, they might hopefully um, support the new coach with a stronger squad. Yeah, most definitely. So um, just rounding off just right now, Pumas currently sits in first place, followed by Chivas, Toluca, Atlas. That is such a cool top four. I'm just saying it's refreshing. I enjoy it. <laughs> It'll probably change as the weeks to come. Followed by Cruz Azul, then Rayadas, Tigres, and Mazatlan would technically be making the playoffs right now. In the goal scoring race, we have Alison Gonzalez with five goals, Aileen Aviles with four goals. You know what? Rayadas also needs a managerial change. I'm going to say that. But at least Becerra listened to me and is starting to put Eileen in more because, I mean, yeah. she's, she's, she's incredibly talented. And then rounding out the top three for top goal scorers is, of course, Katy Martinez because she can never not score a goal. Uh, games to look forward to for this week. Uh, Necaxa versus Pumas is happening right now. Um, we'll see if you guys listen to this, you'll know the final result. But Necaxa is currently leading 1-0. So we'll see what happens there. Um, Atlas versus Leon tomorrow. Um, that will be through stream. So everybody, good luck. For those of us in here in the U.S., uh, today it will be streaming Juarez versus Mazatlan. Watch it for no other reason except for those two teams are just so fun to watch because they have they're just super assertive and maybe there'll be a lot of goals in that one. Rayadas versus Querétaro. I'm seeing here it has no transmission, but I don't know. Maybe Rayadas will will put it on for us. We'll see. And then we got America versus Toluca on Monday, Los Lunes del Femenil, on TUDN. Um, must win for America, which is a tough call, in my opinion. I mean, Toluca has also been really good so far this season. Um, then we have Pachuca versus Chivas. And then we have Santos versus Tigres for the rest of the week. Um, but yeah, Adriana, I mean, we can just touch on, little, on this a little bit. But America versus Toluca, if they lose, I am, my expectations for them will be very low for the rest of the season? I'd be really worried at this point. Um, I mean, yeah, again, you have, you have to look at all the players they've lost due to injury. I mean, Renata Macharelli was doing such an amazing job as goalkeeper. Um, she has a shoulder injury, so I think she's going to be out at, at least a couple more weeks. So, but yeah, I mean, when you look at America, again, you have tons of goalkeepers to just keep on, like not, not miss Renata too much. But yeah, I'd start to worry if they can't make it past the loop. Although good news for them, Renata doesn't need surgery. It looks like she just needs to continue recovering as she is. Yeah. So thankfully, long-term, it's not there. It's just more of a short-term thing. But yeah, they'll definitely need to. Uh, oh, speaking of more social media stuff. Okay, players, you're professionals. 
you know this we want to treat you as such please do not start with that i mean that's another thing i'm uh, that Cuellar doesn't have control over he doesn't even have control over his own locker room for those of you who don't know heidi gutierrez decided to uh subtweet like <laughs> like the young person that she is so i will say that i don't want to invalidate her her feelings but you're also on a professional level and p and reporters you know fans the like are going to be watching you and there's going to be repercussions that's the only thing i really have to say about that one but on a larger scale if Guerrero doesn't have control over his locker room there's a mess like you said and if we see a result that's not in their favor on monday that's where you begin to worry yeah agreed so let's see i i, I think now we're past the part where you can say oh we don't have a great preseason uh, it was, I don't know, short vacation or whatever. I think now is when we actually can look at what clubs will be up to for the rest of the season. So let's see how that goes. And obviously with America, um, yeah, I, th I think that's this is where you, you kind of need to bring in club psychologists and make sure that you're talking to the players and avoiding this at all costs. And yeah, they're young and they're going to be just, they're going to have mistakes, but you just have to make sure that they're not as many. Exactly. Adrian, I think that's, I think that's about it for a lot. Yeah. We we ready to introduce our our fun interview? Yep, I think that we we built it up enough. <laughs> we built it up enough. All right, guys. So uh, like we mentioned, top goal scorer currently got to forty goals with Atlas. Uh, U twenty, I mean U seventeen, uh, second place runner up in in the two thousand eighteen World Cup. Our interview with Allison Gonzalez. All right, guys, well, we're here with Allison Gonzalez here for the Our Football Pod. So excited to be able to put this together. Um, I'm doing the introduction in, in English because we are an English language podcast, but we're going to be doing it in Spanish. Adriana is going to be kind of helping me take the reins with the Spanish uh, interview. Allison, te voy a pedir disculpas si se me, se me quebra el español, a veces se me, se me va y no puedo hablar español. Entonces aquí está Adriana para ayudarme con todo, pero primeramente, ¿cómo estás? Um, y muchas gracias por estar en nuestro pod. Y no te preocupes, no pasa nada. Y muy bien, gracias. ¿Y ustedes cómo están? Qué gusto saludarlas. No, bien, bien. Igual, eh, emocionadas para poder hablar contigo, Adriana. <risa> pues primero que nada, Alison, preguntarte, pues estás de regreso con Atlas después de un microciclo muy, muy rápido eh, con la selección ya mayor. ¿Cómo te sientes después de, de arrancar ya esta etapa con la selección mayor, de todos estos cambios que hubo con la sub-20, eh, de la cancelación de los mundiales? Pero, ¿cómo te sentiste esta semana con, con ese primer microciclo ya en la selección mayor? Sinceramente, fue algo muy especial para mí. Desde que estaba muy pequeña, soñaba con poder representar a, a mi país. Y me sentí muy feliz. Sinceramente, fue algo que venía trabajando y pues cumplir tus sueños en, en de esa forma, pues me sentí muy orgullosa y mi familia también. Alison, obviamente se cancelaron los torneos para el sub-20 el año pasado por el tema de la pandemia, um, pero regresas otra vez más con Mónica Vergara en la selección mayor. ¿Cómo te sentiste cuando llegaron las noticias que ella iba a dirigir la selección mayor como una, como una técnica, ¿cómo te sientes con ella? ¿Qué es algo diferente de ella que te hace emocionada para jugar con ella otra vez? Ella es una persona muy capaz, una persona de grandes valores, se lo merece, es algo con lo que ha estado trabajando muchísimo tiempo. Me siento muy feliz de poder estar escribiendo esa nueva historia con México, nuestra primera directora técnica mujer. Y pues le deseo el mejor de los éxitos 
que adelante, que todo el mundo la apoya y todo el país está atrás de ella. Oye, Alison, ¿y cuál fue la mayor diferencia que notaste de pasar no solo de la 20 a la mayor, pero el hecho de que pues, es un equipo casi totalmente diferente al que tenías tú en, en la selección sub-20? Creo que de hecho solo está Nicole y tú de la última convocatoria. ¿Cómo, cómo fue llegar ahí como, pues así como primer día de la escuela, ¿no? que sí conoces algunas, pero pues, no en el mismo entorno, es una selección diferente? ¿Cómo fue llegar a ese primer día de encontrarte con tus otras jugadoras, ¿no? con las que ahora vas a tener, pero en otro nivel? Pues conlleva una responsabilidad y un privilegio enorme poder estar entrenando con lo mejor que tiene el país en la actualidad es como decir wow estoy en, en un nivel impresionante me sentí muy feliz muy emocionada sabemos que es un proceso un poco largo pero qué mejor estar marcando ya una pauta y una historia en, en selección nacional Alison, como mencioné a, al principio, es un pod de normalmente es en inglés y hay muchos de nuestros um, seguidores que apenas están emprendiendo de la liga femenil. Pero si puedes solamente en, en ciertas palabras hablar del principio, cómo te gustó, en, entiendo que, que estabas en gimnasio, primero pues, escogiste, escogiste el fútbol, pero si quieres un poquito uh, empezar con, con, con cómo te gustó, Uh, how do you say it, Adriana? This is where we're going to get messed up. Uh, how she started to play soccer and chose okay, okay. It as, as a career. De cómo okay. empecé mi historia. En, ah, me me mantengan Alison también. See, guys, we're going to get so much out of this pod. <laughs> okay, okay. Exacto. Sí, te entendí poquito, te entendí poquito. <laughs> pues, cuando estaba chiquita, mi mamá tenía como un pequeño sueño frustrado de que, pues, ella no... Ella hacía voleibol. Entonces, siempre nos inculcó el que teníamos que llevar a la par un deporte y los estudios. Así que pasamos por todos los deportes, karate, gimnasia, charrería. Y pues, sinceramente, con el único con el que pudimos conectar siempre fue el fútbol. Y cuando tenía cuatro años, un amigo me invitó a, a formar parte de su equipo. Y mi mamá como que no le agradaba tanto la idea el tener que pues friccionar con niños y no quería que nos golpearan o algo así que al último mi, mi papá le terminó diciendo déjalas o sea les van a dar un balonazo y, y ya no van a querer jugar y pues fue todo lo contrario de ahí fue como el parte aguas de, de lo que ahora estoy haciendo claro siempre conté con el apoyo de mis abuelitos que fue como lo fundamental y de ahí pues a la actualidad Sigo jugando fútbol y haciendo lo que más me gusta. Oye, Alison, ¿y si te quedaste con algún bichito de alguno de los otros deportes? O sea, por ejemplo, charrería, pues vaya, suena igual de complejo. O sea, como mujer de repente pensar en entrar a algo así. Pero te quedaste con algún bichito de probar un deporte o hay otro que dices, bueno, si sería la oportunidad, tal vez lo, lo retomaría, pues, aunque fuese de... Eh, o sea, de un fin de semana, ¿no? Algo así, pero te quedaste con ganas de alguno, o hay alguno que por ahí le tengas un poco más de cariño. La verdad, no, creo que hice como match con el, con el fútbol. Para mí representaba, pues, el poder marcar un gol y festejar, o no sé, al tú, principio tú era como muy las, hobby. Tú, tú eres la que ahora da los balonazos. Ándale. <risa> <risa> Perfecto. Oye, vas, tú, 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 tú. 
Y Alexis, entiendo que, que, te fui, que era una decisión cuando empezaste a, a avanzar tu carrera, te fuiste a Baja California, luego te llegaste a Monterrey. ¿Qué tanto duro era para tu familia? Como dices, obviamente preferían que jugaras otro deporte, pero ¿qué tanto duro era cuando um, decidiste irte para allá? Literalmente me fui, cumplí los 15 años, me hicieron fiesta y fue como despedida de todos. Y luego, luego, como a los tres días ya estaba volando a Tijuana. Fue muy complicado porque, pues, éramos las únicas hijas que tenían, mi hermana y, y yo. Y, pues, estábamos acostumbrados o ya llevábamos una vida donde, pues, realmente no teníamos por qué salir de casa. O, pues, mi mamá relativamente era la que siempre estaba para nosotras. Y fue complicado porque tienes que aprender a, pues, muchas cosas, a cocinar, a que, pues, ahora tienes que hacer las cosas por, por ti solo. Pero fue extraño, pero a la vez siento que fue lo que me hizo crecer y cambiar un poco mi, mi mentalidad. Oye, Alison, y hablando de, de la salida cuando cumpliste años, pues, estás a dos días de cumplir años también. ¿Qué tienes planeado? Eh, si es que se puede hacer algo, ¿no? Porque pues, ya te tocó en pandemia. Bienvenida al club, pero... ¿Qué, ¿Qué tienes pensado? ¿Cómo tomas este, este crecimiento también eh, dentro de la pandemia? ¿no? Pues aquí es complicado ahora sí el, el pasar tiempo con... Pues más bien querer estar con toda la, la gente que es importante para mí. Pero entiendo la situación, sé que tenemos que cuidarnos y no arriesgarnos. Y pues quisiera simplemente poder pasarlo con, con mis papás y mi hermana. Creo que eso para mí sería muy, muy especial. Y en, por el tema de la pandemia, estamos entrando al segundo, técnicamente, a temporada de la Liga Mex Femenil. En la pandemia, ¿qué tanto duro ha sido mantener todo con los viajes y todo eso? ¿Y qué tanto esperas de esta temporada? Obviamente, la temporada pasada um, te, quita, te quitaron por unos segundos el, el liderar de los goles y lo desafortunadamente lo que pasó contra Querétaro, pero quiero, ¿qué tanto esperas de esta temporada y qué duro es con la pandemia? Pues sí, sí es complicado porque pues te entendemos que no podemos tener tanto contacto con, con nuestras amigas como quisiéramos, pero pues tenemos que poner de nuestra parte, seguir los protocolos y usar el cubrebocas y todo lo que conlleva pues esa responsabilidad de estar bien. Y pues espero que sea una, una temporada muy buena, de grandes cosas. Estamos pues con nuestros objetivos claros y pensando siempre en llegar a esa ansiosa final. Oye, Alison, y hablando justo de, del crecimiento de la liga, ¿qué tanto notas ese crecimiento en la cancha, viendo que ahora pues, hay más flexibilidad en cuanto a las jugadoras mayores de edad, las mexicoamericanas, o sea, Todavía te tocó como que ese cambio, ¿no? De que constantemente ha tenido la liga, ¿no? Que empezó con muy pocas jugadoras mayores, lo fue abriendo, abriendo. Tú dentro de la cancha, ¿cómo lo notas todos esos cambios que, que han hecho al reglamento? Pues sí, es un, un, pues un cambio muy abismal de que pues los primeros torneos podíamos ver como las goleadas y todo eso, que pues eran más partidos de que decías, ah, este le gana a este y así. Y pues ahorita en la actualidad ya todos manejan un estilo de juego, pues su forma de jugar ya es diferente, las jugadoras crecen técnicamente y pues es parte de todo el proceso. Es importante también que pues sigamos creciendo en todo eso y ahora ya no sabes qué equipo le puede ganar a, a cuál. 
A veces ya has cumplido 40 goles con Atlas, pero más con el tiempo que tenías con Tigres. ¿Qué esperas para tu carrera? Obviamente mi idea que mencionaste es un tal vez ir a Europa en unos años, pero ¿qué esperas? ¿Qué, qué, qué más quieres lograr um, entre tu carrera? Obviamente solamente tienes 19, 19 años, pero ¿qué más quieres hacer en el futuro? Pues con el fútbol quisiera también conseguirme una buena escuela para seguir preparándome en mis estudios. No pienso vivir todo el tiempo del fútbol y tengo en claro lo que quiero hacer aquí. Obviamente me gustaría ser campeona con Atlas, buscar un título de goleo, permanecer en selección mexicana, mantener mi nivel para poder llegar a una selección mayor y estar aspirando a, pues, a un mundial o ganar un mundial y sobre todo pues ya pensar en, en jugar en Europa que sería uno de mis grandes sueños. Oye, Alison, y justamente eh, fuera del fútbol, ¿qué estudias? ¿Qué te gustaría hacer más allá de eso? Hemos escuchado historias, la verdad, increíbles de, de muchas compañeras tuyas, de este, otros equipos. Eh, hay unas que tienen hasta doctorado, ¿no? Que uno se piensa, pues, ¿en qué momento puedes conseguir un doctorado jugando fútbol? Pero bueno, se, se está logrando. Eh, ¿Tú qué quisieras hacer eh, profesionalmente <risa> o con tu educación? O sea, más allá de lo que estás haciendo en el fútbol, ¿qué, qué, qué área te gusta? Pues, como dices, es complicado el llevar, pues sí, más que nada el estudio con el fútbol por los viajes y todo el tema de partidos, pero pues nada es imposible. Y pues a mí me gustaría estudiar arquitectura. Ahorita pues estoy terminando aún la prepa y pues aquí, gracias a Atlas, estoy en el instituto. Y finalmente para mí, a Alice y se lo paso a Adriana, dos, dos preguntas. Una, ¿cómo te gusta el apodo? Aligol, ¿te gusta o lo quieres cambiar? ¿Y qué esperas en los próximos 10 años para México y el fútbol femenil? Uh, pues sí me gusta el apodo. De hecho, me lo pusieron cuando estaba en Monterrey. Me preguntaron que si me gustaba más Aligol o Gonzagol, algo así, no me acuerdo. Pero pues sí, ya en Monterrey sí me decían Aligol, la chiquita. Y me gusta, me gusta que que la gente lo reconozca así y pues también es un compromiso muy grande porque tengo que estar marcando goles y no, adiós apodo y de lo que te gustaría para el, para el fútbol femenil de aquí a 10 años ¿dónde te gustaría ver al país? siempre he dicho y, y lo voy a seguir diciendo que pues México está para, para cosas muy importantes esperamos que, que en 10 años estemos ya ganando una, una copa del mundo y pues seguir marcando historias, seguir formando a niñas e invitarlas a que sigan sus sueños. Perfecto, Alison. Pues te agradecemos muchísimo este tiempo. Sé que están corriendo entre entrenamientos, este, te acabas de llegar de la selección y demás, están preparando partido. Pero te agradecemos muchísimo estas, estas preguntas que nos acabas de responder. Muchísima suerte. Ojalá que, que llegue ese campeonato de goleo este, tan cerca que estuvo el torneo pasado. Este, <risa> Ay, ay, no, no sé si hablaste con, con Katy y después este, coincidieron o algo para decirle, oye, te manchaste, ¿no? <ríe> Por lo menos este, te lo hubieran dejado, lo hubieran compartido, no sé si han platicado de eso. Sí, solo le dije que, que gracias a, a que pues, ella mantiene su nivel, yo puedo estarme exigiendo todos los días. Entonces, pues estamos felices. Al final, pues seguimos siendo pues, compañeras de profesión y lo vemos nada más como es. Perfecto. Perfecto, muchas gracias.
Gracias, Alison. Mucha suerte. Gracias, cuídense mucho. Igualmente, gracias. Bye. So that was our interview with Alison Gonzalez. Adriana, I just have to say, I was so excited. I know that she's younger than me, but I and I, I felt really kind of like fangirly getting able to, to speak to her. She was awesome. Yeah, great. I mean, I, I just love the fact that she was really professional, but again, still like bringing us in on what she told Kathy after like that last minute goal that stole her from the, from being the top goals for her last season. Um, also recognizing the responsibility of coming into the senior squad, but also having all those um, all those wishes that you have when you're really young. I mean, what she wants to study, what she wants to do. She she knows, despite the fact she's 19 in a couple of days, um, she knows that she has she, she won't be able to have an entire life just based on being a soccer player. She has to look a little bit uh, broader than that. So I'm really excited uh, for what what's the comfort for Alison and really, really grateful for Atlas for allowing us to have that interview. Yeah, most definitely. A really cool fact that I forgot to tell her while we were, but we were also pressed for time. Um, she's actually from the place my mom was born, Nayarit Tepit. And I always thought that was really fascinating because I never like met somebody else from uh -huh. Nayarit Tepit. So when like, you know, she was obviously up and coming and stuff and I saw her birthplace, I was like, oh my God, that's so cool. So I don't know, just kindred spirits, <laughs> if you will. But uh, yeah. guys, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. As always, thank you to Allison and, the, and Atlas Feminine for putting it together. As always, keep up with the content. Follow the hashtag LiamXFBMENG. Um, Adriana is at Adriana Terrazas. I'm Amy at, at Azteca Amelia. Keep up with the content. Keep up with everything because at the end of the day, it is our football. All right, guys. Thank you so much. See you next week.